continuing the Truly Truly uh, series. And, uh, you know, just before I get into it, I just want to say, if you were here on Friday, uh, Sunday, night, Sunday night, we had an interview uh, hosted by Wendy Howson, and uh, there were a number, you know, there's uh, Fliss and myself and Mark and Steph, and we just had such fun. It was a great evening, wasn't it? And the video team did a great job of recording that. Uh, if you didn't see it, you may want to catch up on it. It was just sort of informal, on the sofas kind of thing. And if you go on the, on the uh, church app in the Legacy series, I think it's top of the list there. I'm not sure whether there's a link yet but there soon will be from the website. But just go on the church uh, legacy series, top there. And it was just such a fun evening, and I think very helpful, really. Uh, a couple of other things just to say, and I just want to applaud you guys. That's me applauding you. Uh, I'll do some more in a moment. Because the final phase, which you may have thought disappeared, but in fact it hasn't. It's been quietly getting on. Uh, in fact, we have just literally signed off on the gallery in Atrium 2, the staircase is magnificent. I've got to hand it to those really skilled uh, artisans who built that staircase. I watched them doing it. It was amazing, bending every single little bit of steel, welding in stainless steel, rubbing it all down, welding it again. They really brought the best of them to, to build that, that stairway. And uh, I'd say let's go and have a look at it afterwards, but Ventureland is set up in the old way. We're hoping to move Ventureland up there possibly next week. And as soon as, uh, as, soon as that's done, then we, you can have a look. It's just a fabulous space. Secondly, I want to say exciting, 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 because in two weeks' time, the AC uh, and heating guys are coming in to put in all the AC and heating in the children's area. I know last week, last year, mums and dads, we had gas heaters, which I know was not to everyone's taste, much least mine, but I, I signed that off because we had to have some heating. Thank you for that. I wondered where all that went. <laughs> I love that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so the, the AC heating goes in. They say they're going to take two weeks, so our kids should be toasty warm in the, in the winter and cool as, as ice cubes in the summer. Uh, and finally, uh, in case you, you weren't sure, we have been um, busily looking for a youth pastor since Kev uh, you know, st uh, went and started working for, uh, what's it called? Abig uh, Azalea. Azalea, thank you. I nearly said Abigail. Azalea. Uh, who's Abigail? Yeah. Um, well, God be blessing you, you know. Uh, and um, yeah, we, we had a whole round of uh, interviews. We've now upgraded that position to that of senior pastor, not just youth pastor. So, folks, you know, this was all part of the phase uh, two, final phase thing. Uh, what? Oh, a Freudian slip there. Oh, my. <laughs> so, a new senior pastor sat in the front row and he's already been out of a job. <laughs> no, assistant pastor. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me teasing you wickedly. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's all happening. And all of that could only happen, really, because of your generosity. All of that could only happen because of your sacrificial giving. And if you're fairly new to the church and haven't, me, haven't heard me talk about money and the way we give, you know, we don't apply for grants. Only this week, somebody said to you, what's your position applying for grants? You know, we want to give God the glory. Sometimes it takes a little longer because we raise the money ourselves. 
You know, often people come in here when we get outside users and say, wow, this is amazing. So did you get a lottery grant on this guy? No, we raised the money ourselves. And everything, the chairs you sit on, the carpet you walk on, you know, the lights that you see by, the coffee that you drink, the free coffee, the donuts, everything, the staff, all of that is funded by your generosity, your sacrificial giving, your tithes, your offerings. And I just want to applaud you. God bless you guys. Okay, so let's look at a little bit of scripture, and uh, let's start then by looking at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 8. It'll come up on the screen. Uh, we would love you to have a paper Bible, a book. If you haven't got a new version, then please just go to the welcome desk, and we would love to give you one. Uh, of course, many of us, including myself, you know, use our smart devices, but I still love the book, because as you can see, I can mark it, and, and, and I, I just think it's a good discipline to have. Let's be a people in this church that, that are those that not just read the book, but do the book and mark the book and remind ourselves of the book. So there we go. Gosh, you're getting like four sermons in one this morning, you know. <laughs> just bung it all in there, Chris, you know. And uh, so let's just read this passage. Remember this, and this was obviously triggered by you know, my joy of us finishing the... Uh, the, you know, the, the, the first gallery thing next door. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We're not under law. For God, is for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's, I think, uh, for Felicity and myself, you know, uh, a little passage in Luke 11 where it says, given it will be given to you, pressed down, overflowing. That's been a bit of a life verse and this, you know, and God is able. Say that with me. God is able. You know, he's, he's worthy of our praise, and he's worth putting your faith and your trust in. Truly, he, he is a faithful Lord, a faithful friend. God is able to bless us abundantly. And Felicity and myself, as I've often testified, we pinch ourselves at our good fortune, not least of having served you in the way we have over the last 30 years, but now being just members of the congregation, it's such a joy. And, and it's such a blessing to walk around this place and interact with you guys and, and, and just see what God is doing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's thrilling. God is able uh, to bless you abundantly so that, that having, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is faithful. He will take care of us. We may not drive around in, uh, you know, great big... Uh, Porsche SUVs, but there's still some nice cars out there, I do have to say, you know. Uh, <laughs> I had to be, I was, I was saying that, I was in, oh, I better be careful, you know. <laughs> we may not arrive, drive around, but, but actually God is blessing us. And he's in debt to no man. So while we're on this, I want to just revisit just briefly this topic I started last week, faith blockers. And... Uh, we talked a little bit last week, faith blockers, there it is, and we talked about sin, fear, and unbelief, and I majored on unbelief, 
And if you were here, you will recall. If you didn't, please do listen to the message, because I do believe it's an important message. Not that we preach unimportant messages, but I do believe that this is a one in season, one in time. But the whole business of unbelief is, is really the, the, the trial, the burden of believers. You know, we're, we're no longer new Christians with lots of questions and doubts, and there's nothing, and there's, doubt isn't a sin. We've come, we've crossed the Jordan, we've crossed the line, we've, we've said the prayer, whatever the expression is, you know, and we're now in relationship with Jesus. We know him as our Lord and Savior. You know, we, we will go to our dying breath knowing that God is alive and his son is real. But what happens, and we looked at a, t- uh, a bit of scripture last week, is that life happens and we get hit by things and it's, it's not unknown, in fact I've experienced it myself, where you know you are so convinced that God's going to do something and it doesn't and there's a kind of a, it's almost like something dies if we let it. And we find ourselves building these faith, we build up these walls, you know boulders appear in the way, use whatever imagery you like but there are these faith blockers and in that occasion that I was referring to that we read last week, there was this believing father who had a son who had been tormented by a demon and this demon had tried to kill the boy and the child had gone from worse to worse to worse and every time some, you know, somebody couldn't help or there was a disappointment, like, Ugh. to the degree that the man says to Jesus, if you can help me, if you can. And Jesus says to the boy's father, he says to the man, he says, if you can Really? If you can, you know what I can do, you've seen what I do. If you can. And the boy, in des- the father in desperation says, Look, I believe, I really do, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And, you know, if we've been Christians for a time, there are those occasions where we don't understand the mystery of God, why he allowed this to happen, why he allowed. And if we're not careful, it hardens our heart and we become less able to respond, you know, uh, quickly and willingly to the Holy Spirit's prompting. So we talked about that last week. Uh, Catch up with it, it'll help. One of the major areas where we have fear, anxiety and unbelief is in the whole realm of money. Money. You know, it's wonderful what we've been able to achieve here. But I still find that with uh, mature Christians, they are still finding themselves in that place where, where, where they are struggling with unbelief, struggling with guilt, shame, because they feel they should be doing more and they're not and all the rest of it. And it just boils down to a place of living in worry, worry about money, worry. Paul the Apostle said, I have learned over many long years and through many trials the mystery of contentment. You know, I've been blessed, I've been wealthy, and I've been poor, and down on my uppers. I nearly said down on my udders then, but... That would be painful, wouldn't it? But 
<laughs> but he's known every aspect of life and every condition and every position. But he's known the mystery, the wonder of contentment. Worry is something that besets us all. It's one of the reasons, I think, that the angels typically, and if I might use the old language, the angels, when they appear, and usually, you know, they appear to uh, mere mortals like me and scare us to bits, and the first thing they say is, fret not, you know, don't worry, don't worry, calm down, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I was carrying my, uh, my grandson back from the park this week, and uh, he's completely besotted with granny here. As I am, you know. I did good then, didn't I, I remember? <laughs> Get a brownie point there. Um, and uh, he was walking very slowly, and uh, Fliss needed to pop into the post office, so I said, you go ahead, go on, you do that, and we'll catch up. Anyway, as soon as he clocked that she had gone, he wanted a cuddle, I lifted him up, and he's going, granny, 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 and he's really kind of stressing out. And I'm thinking, well, I'm here, you know, but, you know, so... Uh, <clears throat> Yes, anyway, let's get over that, moving quickly on. And I said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And I kept saying, don't worry, we'll catch up, don't worry. And he calmed down. But there was almost panic. It's all right to have, he calls me Papak, all right to have Papak here. But, but Granny had gone ahead, you know. It seems to be part of the human condition to have a default to worry. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up because it... But it is something that we default to, and I believe it's one of the symptoms of the fall. When we were separated from God, just as Sonny was temporarily separated from Granny, you know, it, first of all, we think we've got, we're free now, we can do what we like, but then we start to worry. Worry begins to, it's a part of the fallen nature of man, man and woman. And so we worry, and we worry about money because it has such power. Jesus, as you've heard me say many times, spoke about money many times. It was his second favorite subject, believe it or not. His first was the kingdom of God, because he realized what a hold it had on us. And he realized that, in his view at any rate, it, that, it had, that there was something demonic about the, about the whole power not money itself, money is, you know, neither one or the other, but demonic dark forces love to latch on to our anxiety and our worry and our fear and keep us in that place to the degree that I have met as many worried rich people as I have met worried poor people. It doesn't actually seem to relate to how much or how little you've got it seems to be something that besets us. And so Jesus, in a number of places, talks about not worrying. Let's look at one of them. The Sermon on the Mount. I mean, if ever there was a truly, truly, it was the Sermon on the Mount, wasn't it? Matthew uh, chapter 6. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, let's just read something from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about not worrying. He says this, he begins by saying in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. I personally am of the opinion that when you invest in the king and his kingdom, 
It's as if you are sending money on ahead. You know, they say you can't take it with you, so eat, drink, and be merry, etc., etc. But I think you can send it on ahead. And I, uh, you know, it's a, it doesn't say so much in the scripture, except here, where it says, you know, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so, you know, we have this thing here for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've often seen that in my life, you know, when I've begun to sort of put too much store by something or someone or, or my bank balance when on the odd occasion, the rare occasion when we've been a bit flushed, you know, where I've found myself deriving a comfort and a, an, a, an assurance or a reassurance because of that situation. But Jesus says, you know, do not store up these things for where your treasure is, there your heart will, will be also. And he goes on to say in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Do not worry, he says earlier on. You know, he's in, in verse seven, chapter 7, rather. He says, you know, God knows what you need. God knows what you need. God will take care of you. God will look after you. Now, of course, it's all relative. You know, what works for you in terms of taking, being taken care of might be different for somebody else. You know, I uh, saw a homeless man, a rough sleeper in town yesterday. You know, for him, probably a bed at the hospital, hostel would have been nice. But there wasn't one. It is relative. But the truth of the matter is this. God is trustworthy and God is able. And God is able to work all sorts of things in us. So we need, to, we need to ask God to just break this anxiety, this fear, and this spirit of poverty, I've often called it. We need to break it. it, it this generosity thing, this giving thing, is, is the best antidote to it, which neatly leads into a question which I've asked many times before. Who needs a tanner? Who needs a tanner? There you go. Front row. There you go. Who else needs a tanner? There you go. Don't rub it, because the ink might. Uh, <laughs> it's fresh off the press this morning. Now, some of you here, and I've been actually been praying a lot about this this week. There's someone here, or maybe some people here, who are praying for what you see as a miracle. Because you need more than a tenor. And you have no idea where that's going to come from. It's a little embarrassing, I know, but trust me. Well, don't trust me, trust him. Put your hand up if you need more than a tenor. Hmm? There's a number of people put hands up. 
We've got a bit of a thing for single mums or single parents. Keep your hand up if you're a single mum or a parent. Single parent. Who's that lady right there against the wall back there? The white top on. Would you mind coming forward? Okay. The rest of you, I'm sorry, but if you could put your hand down. Give me, where's the, where's the microphone? Right. This is embarrassing, but I'm not going to ask you how much you need. But if you don't mind me asking, uh, what's your name? Laura. Laura. And uh, have you been coming a long time, or just the first or second time? Three months, Laura. Well, it's lovely to have you. Give Laura a round of applause. You're a bit nervous, yeah, aren't you? Um, and have you got some kids? Yeah. How many kids? You've got two kids. And you're a single parent? Yeah. Okay. Well, Laura needs more than a tenor, and I've given my tenors out. So I think you know what I'm working towards. If you've got a tenor or something you can give Laura, would you just come up forward and give it to her? Just, it's okay. Hold the basket, Laura. Go on. Have you ever been to a church where they do this? No. <laughs> I love it. Bless you guys. I'll, I just love your generosity, guys. That might help with your bills over Christmas. So let's give Laura a round of applause. I, uh, just put your hand up if you had your hand up and I didn't call you out. Just put your hand up again. There's one, two, three, four. And there was another hand over there. There was a guy over there. Yeah, that was you. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind coming up at the end. and uh, This is Danny. Danny, just stand up, bro. If you can take their names, Danny, and an address, we'll, we'll, we'll send them £100 each for Christmas, just as a... Okay. 
Laura, welcome home. Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, well, let's just stand and raise a hand to bless Laura. Father God, I just want to say thank you for Laura and ask your blessing upon her now. Lord, she may have had a great life and just had a little bit of an issue now, or she may have had a tough life. No matter. You're a father, and you take care of your own, and you are able, and you are faithful. So we bless Laura in your name, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that uh, you'll bless her kids too, and that this coming year will be an absolutely awesome year with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There you go. That's all right. Thanks, guys. It's a holy moment when we do that. You know, it's so counterculture, and I love doing it because it just expresses generosity. Generosity. And it's something that should be prevalent in the church, but too often isn't. In fact, I got a letter last time I spoke about money. I think I did that. I got a letter from somebody. It was quite a hot letter. And they said, I'm leaving the church. Every time I come to this church, you're talking about money. Well, you know, that's tough. But I, I don't. I only do it a couple of times a year. But, uh, you know, this perception of, of outside about the church is that they're always talking about money. Well, uh, you know, we want to undo that. Uh, we want to give away. You know, this city does not realize how much we give to this city in terms of time, energy, and money. The way we open this place up to everyone, the way they come and they take their groceries and they get their debt counseling if they need it, or they get their family counseling or their parenting counseling, or they come and get clothes from the kit. You know, they, they, they have no idea. And it's all funded by you and your generosity and many other men and women of goodwill who are now outside of this church, would not call them members, members of this church, but have aligned themselves with us and what Jesus is doing here because they believe that what we need in society is a more generous, caring, compassionate, and justice-concerned community. Generosity, if I can say something one step beyond that, and then we're nearly done. We're not going to go on too late this morning. You know, I had to learn generosity because my background was such, my, father, my parents were generous, but my teens were pretty difficult. And uh, I had to learn to start letting go of what I thought was mine. I came to a point I was so angry as a young man that I thought, okay, I don't want anything from anybody. I'm going to build my own house. So we bought a derelict house in, the, in, the, in Yorkshire, in the wilds of Yorkshire. It cost three and a half thousand pounds. It tells you something about the house. <laughs> it did. I started a business because I didn't want to work for anyone. I didn't want to be beholden to anyone. That was my mindset when Jesus found me. And he's had to work on me and turn me around. And to God be the glory. Um, I'm, no, I'm not going to say that because, no, I'm not going to say that. But he's turned, me, he's turned me around so that I can live a counterculture life when it comes to money. 
And it seems that the more that Felicity and I give, the more that God gives back to us. To the, point, to the point sometime of our embarrassment. But it's as if the word of God seems to be coming true. If you sow generously, you reap a generous harvest. But if you sow mean, sort of in a mean way or a reluctant way, you don't reap much. You know, it's unpopular these days to talk about tithes and offerings, for example. And every week, we say it's an act of worship. Some of you may think, oh yeah, I knew there'd be a plate going around at some point. But truly, I believe it is an act of worship. I remember when Felicity and I, the first church we ever joined, which was when we moved out of our lovely home in the country, which was lovely by the time we finished, and we moved into the inner city, into a caretaker's flat, which cost 15 pounds a week. The vicar there, was an Anglican vicar, you know, he started mentoring me. And we were talking about discipleship. And he said, it's the pocketbook, and he meant the checkbook, because we used checks in those days, where you can really see the measure of someone's generosity and their discipleship. You know, so it, it's an interesting thing. It's a dynamic. And I don't want to get too heavy on this, but I do believe that we face a challenge as a church to, be, to live in that place of generosity. I know what it's like this morning. I've been here. I've, I've seen it. You know, a dear woman like Laura comes up, and you're moved by compassion, and you give some money, and it's, it's potentially life-changing for her. But the reality is, to do that on a daily basis to live with an attitude of generosity in terms of our time, our energy, and our money is tough. It's a discipline. It's the act of a disciple. And so a tithe, for those of you who don't know, it's 10%. Uh, the scriptures talk about giving the first fruits. And I've often, I've only in recent years sort of started marveling at that really. You know, the first fruits in an agrarian culture where you've you know, you've had harvest, and that's great, and then the winter comes, and then it gets cold, and then it gets frosty, and you can't do much, and you've sown some seed, and then the spring, it begins to spring up, and come, you know, May, June, you'd think that it was wonderful, but in fact, you're really beginning to run low on resources, and then finally, it comes to a time when you can harvest. You don't fall on it and say, oh, thank goodness, go, 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 you know, you give it to the Lord, and that was what they did. It's an extraordinary thing, and I think we as a counterculture society, need to learn more about being counterculture. And, and the tithe is a great way of training and has been a great tool in the way I have trained my heart in terms of generosity. Offerings are the, the extra. You know, this, this place was built not on tithes. Tithes goes to kind of keeping you know, the, the, the lights on in the place, but... The, the generosity is the stuff that has built this place, which I don't, I don't know how much, what it, in total now, it's what, five or six million? I don't know. I've lost track, quite frankly. And that's been no grants, no nothing like that. It's been through generosity, over and above the tithe. And then, of course, there's the little acts of righteousness where you, you're moved by compassion, like that situation, or by somebody you see on the street or a friend that needs help or in need and you kind of quietly slip some money through their letterbox so they, you don't embarrass them. 
I mean, when we first started the church, a lady, we, we subsequently found out who it was later on because they told us, but, but for the first 18 months, um, every, every month, 100 pounds would come through the letterbox at night. And on the envelope was written, for fliss. And that was a delightful, thoughtful, prayerful gift. Because Fliss being a great mom, she would give her last buck to help one of the kids or to help me. She would have gone around in dowdy clothes just simply because we were needing the money. But this dear friend thought, I want to bless Fliss. And so this money came in and it was for Fliss so that she could dress nicely and buy a bit of makeup. We had a story, I'll quickly tell you this, this is absolutely true. I should let you tell the story about the makeup lady. Do you want to, uh, in Pensacola? Why don't you tell it? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Come up here and tell this story. So we're at a big revival conference in Pensacola. And... Uh, you tell us one, two, one, two. I'm just trying to remember it. <laughs> but I, won't, it's really I don't good. have to give you any of the details, but basically I had um, bought some new makeup on my, before I went on holiday and to this conference. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I like getting new makeup. <laughs> and um, anyway, the Lord said to, said to me, pointed out the person in front of me. You just saw the back of their heads and... And I felt the Lord say, give her your makeup. I was like, surely you don't mean that. <laughs> no, no, that's just me, you know. But um, it wouldn't go away, so I thought, oh, okay then. And I had all these, you know, oh, she's surely she's got plenty anyway, and, you know, how do I know she wants it, and all these sorts of things. Anyway, I plucked up courage, and I just sort of, I went, tapped her on the shoulder, and I said, oh, I think the Lord's telling me to give you my makeup. And uh, so I gave, you know, giving it to her as I said it. And she was just absolutely amazed. She was um, a missionary or she'd been a missionary. She'd come back and she just hadn't got any and she really wanted it. And she, you know, it was just a gift to her from the Lord. So there we are. And I want to elaborate because I remember it better than Fliss. <laughs> Revival broke out, no. Um, truthfully, the woman said, you know, she was a missionary and she had, been, had a little bit of lipstick on. But she'd been putting the lipstick on before they came out. This is not if this is... Oh, okay. And she said to the Lord, I can't, I can't even... You know, it would be lovely to have some new lipstick. She actually said that to the Lord that morning because we're visiting sponsors and I'm letting my husband down. That was right, wasn't it, darling? She's, she's nodding. And she said that to the Lord that morning. And then Flissy gave her this makeup bag full of new makeup. Flissy bought new makeup. And the woman, I don't mind telling you, she shed a tear. See, God is able. And if you, you know, nothing is too small and nothing falls is under the radar as far as his loving kindness. And for that missionary back, you know, coming back from a missionary situation, 
into Western culture, particularly American Western culture, it is so weird. I have felt it a little bit when I've been in India for three weeks and then come back here. It's just so rich, so affluent, so fast, so everything. She was in that place. And then suddenly the Lord gives her some brand new makeup just to remind her that she is his daughter and he cares for her. And God bless you, Tip Felicity, you know. God is able. And a spirit of unbelief and a spirit of anxiety and a propensity to worry, even amongst believers, will undermine the blessings that God wants to bring. And so if you're not tithing yet, if you're a mature Christian, you need to start. I'll tell it to you straight. You need to start saying, God, I, I believe, help my unbelief. And you need to start stepping into this whole new dynamic area of God's provision and blessing. Let's all stand. I'm going to read a piece of scripture as we finish. And uh, Sam, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Two Corinthians nine, ten and eleven says this. <clears throat> Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, even makeup, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And here's a kind of prayer blessing. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's the community I see breaking out here. That's the community Fliss and I want to be a part of, where the world goes, wow, what a God, what a Savior. Amen.